I'm Maggie Beatty Roberts. And I'm Kate Roberts. We're really excited about today's episode. But just a quick note before we start. This season of Beyond the Letters was recorded before the coronavirus reached the United States and impacted so many areas of our lives, including education. Today's episode contains some pre-coronavirus thinking that can still be effective in your educational spaces. We should also note it was recorded before the protests that have thankfully changed so much of our national dialogue on race. We strive to check our privilege during these conversations, and we are in constant motion to become better allies. Here at Beyond the Letters, Black Lives Matter. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Welcome to Beyond the Letters. I'm Maggie Beatty-Roberts. And I'm Kate Roberts. And I'm very excited to introduce our guest today. Lamar Timmons-Long is an English teacher in New York City, born and raised in Brooklyn. He is also faculty at Pace University and a member of the NCTE LGBTQ Plus Advisory Committee and the Educator Collaborative. You can find his writing on the NCTE blog, featured May of this year, 2019, The Time Is Now, affirms Black queer youth. Lamar has been one of the most joyful additions to my year, and I am so excited uh, to share his voice and presence with all of you today. Welcome, Lamar. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Um, You know, there's so many places we could start, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So I think I'll just start You know, like if you think about your life as a queer person, as a queer educator, as a queer youth, do you have a a critical moment or a turning point for you that kind of set you on your path that you're currently Hmm. in? Hmm. That is a really, really good question. Um, I think that there's not been one moment but there may have been multiple moments that if I wanted to I can put them all into one I think the first moment was really coming to terms with my identity and recognizing that I am a black queer male um, and that is in itself a journey Um, and so when I really was able to sit down and, and really like look in the mirror and say this is who I am that was like okay this is it Right. And so then like kind of figuring out how to operate in the world as this black queer male and being a teacher. I've never really hid myself from my students. I have never told my students like, no, this is not who I am. If they asked, um, I would say, yes, I am. I'm queer. (laughs) They are um, very open to the idea of having a black queer teacher Mm -hmm. um, because I think our experiences are very similar in how we grew up because mm-hmm. I do teach in um, an urban environment mm-hmm. and I do teach with students that look like myself and come from neighborhoods that where I grew up. And so I think that that is also a barrier. That was also a crucial moment when I, when I was able to say, wait, you guys accept me? Wow. Okay, so that was another moment that made me, that was kind of big for me. Mm-hmm. And then this year, meeting one of the most amazing, talented Super awesome authors meeting Michael Arsenal and Darnell Elmore this year was probably the moment that made my entire body explode, <laughs> both internally and mm. externally. <laughs> and so see, meeting them was another moment for me to say, okay, 
you can operate in this world in your black mm. queerness and you are seen and heard and there are other men out there that identify just like you and that understand what you have to internally deal with and externally deal with. So those would be the three moments in my life that I could think of right now that really were like big for me. Mm. It's lovely because all three of them are so beautifully about acceptance and yes. being accepted and seeing yourself, yes. right? There's the seeing yourself in the mirror. Mm -hmm. Then there's the seeing yourself in the acceptance of your students and mm -hmm. getting that affirmation. And then there's the acceptance of seeing like a mentor or a hero or something of something of like, I can be that someday, right? The acceptance of the future you that's out there now. Yeah, yeah. That's really beautiful. Yeah, it's empowering for yeah. sure. It's very empowering. And like a, a precise reflection, right? Like this idea of like, you know, I see not just one side of mm, myself right. reflected in this person that I admire, but I see like many sides of myself mm -hmm. that are all intersecting the same way mm -hmm. with another person and just how validating and empowering that is to be able to bond with people that you have like nothing mm -hmm. in common with, to bond with people that you have some sides in common with, but also to have a bond with someone that you just have um, a lot in common with in terms of the different ways that you identify. Yes, absolutely. I, I think that that's um, the Anti-Racist Book Festival, like that session, Queering Education, featuring Donna Moore and Michael Austin, I literally, did, my mind exploded. Mm. What was it about the session? So there's the, the representation, right, of you seeing. You're like, okay, that I can be like that too. But was there other stuff about that session that you found so powerful? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, looking at them, was it was great to have that mirror. But mm -hmm. then to also have language, mm -hmm. yeah. right? Like I remember clearly hearing Darnell say, and I am going to paraphrase a little bit mm -hmm. because it was a little while ago. Mm -hmm. um, but... You know, queerness and blackness are somewhat in the same, right? Where we're both kind of fighting against the norm um, and we are part of a, like groups that are oppressed, right? And so we're fighting for an equitable seat at the table. Mm -hmm. And when he said that, I was like, oh, I've never looked at it like that. And I think that if more people did look at it from that lens and that perspective, then you would understand why people within the queer community um, that identify as within one of the groups for the IBPOC, mm -hmm. right? Why we have to have multiple perspectives and why we think the way we may think or why I think the way I think, right? Or how I view the world, how I operate in the world because I can only speak my truth. And so that that was one of the most powerful things that he said. Mm. And then having Michael sit there to really interject and give multiple counts of experiences that I was able to not only identify with, I was also able to say some of my kids are identifying with this mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. So there's a bigger picture here, right? Mm -hmm. um, that session was the first session of the day and that any other session I went to, I was, it was great. They were phenomenal, mm -hmm. but that one was so profound for me. Mm -hmm. And then meeting the two of them after and I had their books. Mm -hmm. Their books were in my home, but I didn't have them with me. And so I decided I'm going to rebuy them. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to go get them signed by them. And then and having these, because they are accessible, having these conversations with these other black queer males, mm -hmm. that felt like a, a home. It felt like home. Mm -hmm. And so that was mm -hmm. uh, 
even now I still get goosebumps when I just think about that experience. And, and that might not mean anything to anyone else, but for me, that was big. Just makes me think about the importance of having like, I don't know what word you would use to identify them for you, mm -hmm. right? But it strikes me as like heroes or mentors or oh, models sure. or I like mean... <laughs> things we aspire to yeah. be for that sure. also are like us, right? Yeah. Like I remember aspiring to be Luke Skywalker, but mm -hmm. like he's like a white straight dude, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I can't be him. And it wasn't mm -hmm. until like, and I didn't have many models no. of like genderqueer women uh, to aspire to. And when right. I finally did meet some people that I was like, oh, yeah. not only can you be gay, mm -hmm. have short hair, mm -hmm. be masculine of center, but you also can be outrageously smart and successful and yeah. amazing Absolutely. and accepted and Absolutely. not not in a corner somewhere, but yeah. like on the stage. That's so mm -hmm. powerful. And it strikes me that you are probably that for your kids too. You probably won't admit that, right? But like, just by your presence, you ought that that is the legacy, right? Of being able to like, I see who I want to be, and then therefore I can start to be that for somebody else. I, I would hope that. I would hope that when they see me, that they see that identity is versatile. Identity mm -hmm. is multifaceted. Identity, it's like a entire bowl of gumbo, right? Mm -hmm. It's there's so many pieces to the gumbo to make it so rich mm. and so fulfilling right and so I think that I, I would hope that that when they see me in my life and when I share my experiences with them that they see that I can do anything that I can be anyone that there's nothing that I cannot achieve regardless of who I am or what I identify as like mm. like identity is just a factor of me and I think that the world tries to make it feel like all you are is your identity. And it's like, no, I'm sorry, but there's so many other things to me that I identify, so many other groups I'm a part of mm, as right. well, but mm -hmm. you want to highlight or heighten yes. this only aspect of me where I'm just like, if we just did a whole identity wheel right. and really broke down who we are, not in percentages, but just to look at who you are, you will see that's a piece of me, mm -hmm. right? And in a, but an important piece, mm -hmm. right? And a piece that I have to consistently fight for. Mm. Yeah. Your piece um, uh, that debuted on the NCTE blog uh, May of this year, the time is now, right? Affirming Black queer youth made a huge splash online and offline. And I didn't know if you could give us a little preview or window into some of those thoughts that resonated with so many in terms of affirming Black queer youth. I definitely have to thank Cody Miller for that. Um, Cody Miller. Oh, hi, Cody. Um, he pushed me for this, right? Like, I really didn't want to do it. <laughs> I, to mm -hmm. be honest, mm -hmm. I really was like, no, um, I, I know I'm a member of the committee, but no, I don't have to write. And he was like, no, you're going to write. And I was like, okay. And so he had given me a plethora of ideas. Sometimes I cannot ideate, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I um, It's so interesting. I did some foresight training when I was in graduate school. And there are four pieces of foresight where either you're a clarifier, an implementer, a developer, or an ideator, right? And I'm very low in ideation, mm. but I'm very high in clarification and development, mm. right? And then I'm then I'm an implementer, so I, ideation is like really at the bottom. Yeah. And so I can't think of ideas, but if you give me an idea, yeah, yeah, then yeah. I can take it yep. and run with yep. it, yeah. right? And yep. so he had given me a plethora of things, and the one that really I knew that I could come from both a personal and professional place was this piece here. And so just talking about that experience of being in that session with those two amazing 
black men, black queer men at that, it, the words just flowed, right? Mm-hmm. And it was interesting that when it was edited, there wasn't much that I had to change. That's great. Right? right. Yeah. And and that, for me, really solidified that I had did the right thing. I had wrote. That was my first real piece being published, right? Mm-hmm. And so to have that piece published at the time, it was, it, you know, it was my birthday month it was <laughs> <laughs> that came out and then another piece after that came out yeah. um mm-hmm. for 31 days yeah so it, that piece alone wasn't difficult to write mm-hmm. but it was difficult to write because that mirror was put up in my face again mm. and i definitely had some oppositions with myself yeah. in writing this piece i definitely struggled I, I, I didn't know where to go with it i didn't have a final destination i just knew i just wanted to share this information and share these five things that you could do to make your space more equitable for queer mm-hmm. students, right? Particularly black queer students, yes. right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I want people to always understand, like, when you ask me, what do I identify as? I'm going to say I'm a black queer male, mm-hmm. right? And so right. black always comes first, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Because mm-hmm. not just because that's how the world sees me, but that, that's what I identify with first above, mm-hmm. above anything else. Mm-hmm. And so I think that in creating these... <laughs> Five tips, if you yeah. want to call it that. It really was a self-reflection for me as well because I now then had to, like, not only did I have to believe it, I had to live that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so how am I yeah. bringing this into my classroom as well? Mm-hmm. So right. that, yeah. Well, it's like there, that that piece there of, like, how am I bringing this into the classroom? And also this idea of, like, Cody setting you up. Yeah. And then you flew. Yeah. And it makes me think about what are the ways that you set up your kids to help them fly right whatever whatever story they are um i could only imagine being a student in your classroom as i've been having you know the the honor to get to know you what are what are things that you do in your classroom that we could replicate hold on to that gives the kids the space that um we know that you give in the classroom well i work really hard with my students in like understanding that everyone is accepted in this brave space, right? That regardless of what your um, ethnicity is, your identity, your gender, your religious beliefs, everyone is accepted, right? But what we're not going to do is create a space that where we make others that are very different than what we may identify with or what we may believe, that that's unacceptable. And my kids know that, right? That if I am able to come up here and be vulnerable, Mm -hmm. and so I guess it's a lot of modeling as well, right? Modeling Mm -hmm. how to be vulnerable and modeling and sharing stories from my life. And like, you know, I've cried in front of my kids and sharing something personal to them and with them. And I think that that's the first step is to, to be this model for your kids that, will allow them to see your humanity, right? As well as see, here's another way that I can show up in the world and be better. And while I may not agree or believe, I do respect you, right? Because they know that, and as teachers, we can look at our kids and we know when they're about to say something that's not going to be that great. (laughs) That's not going to be that pleasant. And Mm -hmm. I can rightfully give them a look and a a kind reminder that this space is for every single person. In the world, if they wanted to come in here. Well, and the idea there that you know, modeling vulnerability. You know, I don't have to be queer to model vulnerability, I don't. right? I don't have right. to have a specific identity right. to model being an open human who mm. is willing to share a part of myself that right. maybe isn't the sort of cookie cutter story, right. right? And I think sometimes if I'm like a white straight teacher, mm-hmm. I may not 
think I have that, but we all have those stories to mm-hmm. model our openness and our vulnerability, mm-hmm. which then gives our kids permission. And I, I think it just allows, like, it forces teachers. So if you're not queer, if you're not black or indigenous or a person of color, you, if you're, if you're white, you have to just do some work in asking yourself and reflecting where in my life have there been moments where I've had to be vulnerable mm-hmm. that I'm willing to share with my kids. So first, am I willing to share this piece with my kids, right? Yes. That's the first thing, right? Mm-hmm. Am I really willing to share this? Because it's so personal mm-hmm. and it could hurt, right, to relive some of these things. And so am I willing to do that? And if I'm not willing to do that, what does that really say about you, right? And who are we as teachers when we are the foundation of the entire world, mm-hmm. right? And so every day when we're coming in our classrooms and working with our students, we are consi- they're watching everything we do. Mm-hmm. Like literally they watch every single move that we make. And so how are you making sure that you serve as a model of what justice is, mm. that you serve as a model of providing access to groups that don't have access, that you show vulnerability. Because if you can show it, you're now showing them that I can be vulnerable as well. And if I'm vulnerable and you guys are listening and then one of your classmates decide to share something personal as well, it's just going to be a ripple down effect, right? And then they begin to see the humanity of themselves amongst themselves within this space. Mm-hmm. You know, when I heard you talking about creating space and creating safe space, what I loved was like, you were like, it's not just safe space here. It's a brave, safe space. Um, I'd love to just pause and linger Mm -hmm. there in terms of what are the, um, what are the markers of a brave, safe space? What, Mm. what, what indicators do you put up in your classroom that like communicate that this is, uh, this is a brave, safe space where you can be out loud. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. And so, like, the the beginning of the school year is probably the most tiresome any teacher ever is. Mm-hmm. But the beginning of any school year is the foundation that is laid for the year, right? And so spending time and building community norms is so important. And not norms that you want, but norms that the kids want, right? Because... When the classroom reflects them directly, then they can really say, this is not just Mr. Timmons Long's classroom. This is my classroom as well. Like, you're not a dictator. This is a partnership, right? Like, I'm slowly, I'm still working on it, but getting away from the idea of student and teacher and I'm moving toward co-learners, right? Because although I may know this content, like, there are things that you may say that I didn't even think of. And I'm like, oh, that, that was so profound, right? And so... The idea of moving in, moving from like student teacher to co-learner, creating these community norms, mm-hmm. right, and mm-hmm. making sure that everyone agrees with these community norms, right, and then like naming when the community norm is being done well, mm. but yeah. also naming when it's being done incorrectly, right, and going back into saying like what do we establish together as a community? Let's go back to our norms. Maybe we need to revisit this. And then taking time throughout September and October to just build this strong community, whether it is through watching videos, looking at text, conversations, open-ended questions, having them really reflect on self and identity, right? Like, who am I? What is my place in the world? What do I identify as? What do I want to be when I grow up? That big question that we're asking with kids, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? Mm -hmm. And also just like, how do I want to make an impact? Do I want to make an impact, right? And it's okay if I don't, 
Because it's, it's my job to show you that in whatever capacity you do and when you work and what you do, you will make an impact to someone, right? And so I think doing those things really helps me build this space, this brave space for my kids to make mistakes, to get things wrong. And, uh, and they know when they get it wrong, it gets to the point where you don't even have to correct it anymore because they'll refer to the norm or they'll remember these conversations that we have had one-on-one, a whole group, a small group. And they're like, man, I messed up. I need mm-hmm. to re- I need to apologize for that or I've even had a kid tell me I have some internal work I need to do yes you do have a lot of internal work that you need to do right but I am here to help you through that right so where where can we start where would you like to start right what can I refer to you what can I view with you what can I experience with you and what can you experience on your own as well when you're building those community norms, like what are some ways that you go about it, right? Like I'm sure you do it way more subtly than maybe I would at first glance, which would be, hey, what community norms do y'all want? You know, like I bet you do it in a more nuanced way than maybe I would at first. Well, I think about like asking them, like, what's the perfect classroom? Mm, like, what does the perfect classroom look like? Yeah. For you. Yeah. Not in this ideal world, but like in the yeah. world you currently live in, in the world you abide in, what does this perfect classroom look like? And so then they write on post-its or they write on, um, what are those things called? Index cards. Yes. <laughs> right? And so they're jotting these things down and they're sharing and then they're sharing with partners and they're asking questions because when you're talking, right, if we're having a conversation I'm actively listening, and then after I'm done, I'm formulating a question because I know I want to think a little deeper because I'm trying to help them become better questioners of the world that we live in. Um, And so after they think about what the perfect classroom is, then it becomes... So let's like write some of these down. Let's let's kind of talk about this. And then I'm like, so what I'm noticing is Mm -hmm. you guys like is this, this, and this. You want spaces where you are able to speak your mind you want everyone you want to respect everyone's voice you want to make sure that the classroom is a direct reflection of you right and so i I'm, i always think of um bishop's work with windows mirrors windows and sliding doors right where it's a direct reflection and it's an access point right and mm. so you want that as well you want to make mistakes and be okay with making mistakes so this is what i'm seeing mm-hmm. so are we all agreeing about this are we all uh, can, or do we agree that this is what you want based on what i see and what what i think teachers sometimes struggle with is we come up with the norms right and, yeah. and then there's not that communication between you and the class right mm-hmm. because i am nothing without the class right and yeah. so i have to now i i shouldn't make these but I do, I think I have a little bit of say, right? And so my say, I think, comes from just reframing and restructuring and noticing what you're saying and bringing that into life. And so we go from there. And sometimes we have to revisit it and say, um, I think we need to add something, right? Or I think we need to restructure one of these norms because I've been noticing things. Or I'll ask them in the last 30 days, what have you noticed happening in the class? Jot that down. So like a lot of reflection, right? And then seeing how... This space is going to be brave enough for you to take and make, what are they called? Take risk. That's yeah, that's what I was is. looking for. Take risk, right? Because I think the classroom is a space for all students to take huge risk. Well, and to loop back, that is an act of vulnerability too, yeah. right? So if we're talking is. about modeling vulnerability, like I can model vul- vulnerability with the stories I tell, what I tell kids about myself. Mm-hmm. But I also model vulnerability by saying, this is your classroom, yeah. I'm your steward, I'm your facilitator, I'm your guide, but like, let's co-construct this together. That is a vulnerable place to be. I wish schools would give teachers time to 
do more focus groups with students mm. at the beginning of the school year, or bringing kids in where they can just make the room theirs, right? Mm. And I also think like each class has different norms because they're all different personalities. Each class has their own personality. Yeah, so is. the norms are yeah, also sometimes it's four charts of norms yeah. and you're like period one, period five, <laughs> yep. period six, period eight, right? <laughs> so I think that's important as well to know and think that there's not just one set of five. That's right. I love that. What I am holding on to too is your your call and your confidence to take your time mm-hmm. to intentionally build or and help build, not by taking it over, but just providing the materials for kids to facilitate their own building of a vulnerable culture, a safe culture, a brave space, and um, cautioning us not to rush over that. Mm-hmm. In the beginning of the year, cautioning us not just to do it once and then not revisit it, you know, but really mindfully put in times where we are posing the question back to kids to say, is this working for you? Mm-hmm. Well, and we're talking about kids in general and like, uh, you know, uh, just classroom community. But I think what hitches it so nicely to, to our podcast, thinking mm-hmm. about queer youth and queer teachers, is that we can't create a safe space for queer kids if it's not a safe space for all kids, mm-hmm. right? Which is why, like, anytime I've done any kind of activism work right. or equity work, like what's so striking to me that I know you share too is like, it helps everybody. It really, it's supposed to help everybody. It's not just about this one marginalized right, group. Right, Do you know what I mean? Right, like right. when we make something better for for all kids, all kids flourish. And And I think that, you know, when you think of the marginalized groups, right? We bring highlight to these groups because they are underserved or underrepresented, right? And so when we begin to make our spaces brave for everyone, we don't we don't have to then say, well, let's not forget our black kids. That's let's right. not forget our queer kids. Let's not forget our Latinx kids, our Asian students, our our indigenous students, right? It's like, no, I've I've been intentional in doing this work and making sure that I'm making this space for everyone, right? Even where, you know, I teach English. So thinking about how the text reflect the kids I serve versus what the district wants me to teach or what my administrators want me to teach or you should use this over that. And, you know, I'm a little bit of a rebel. So <laughs> so um, I'm, I will push back in a heartbeat and say, but this doesn't reflect the students that I serve. Beautiful. I love that idea. So we got vulnerability and that's part of that vulnerability is creating like a truly safe community, a, a kid-centered community that we co-construct with them. I love that. So Lamar, uh, we have a tradition of uh, ending our podcast with a closing five questions where we get to get to know you a little better okay. and see inside your soul. I mean, your, uh, <laughs> your personality. Uh, personality. Okay. So are okay. you ready for the first closing five question? Okay. 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 I'm ready. <clears throat> it's a fill in the blank question. Oh. I know. <laughs> you won't see me without my? Bag of the day. Oh. I will, I will always have a bag on me. I feel naked without one. And you have different bags? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the bag I'm looking at right now. Oh, that's a beautiful bag. It's just a beautiful bag. So, yeah, it's you. If I don't wear something, I, I will. Mm-hmm. Wait, something's wrong. Something's missing on me today. What's, what's happening? Uh, but I feel like no balance. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just nope. saying, yeah. 
I love that. Yeah. Okay, this might be the same answer. I don't know. You might struggle to have a different answer for this. Who knows? But you never know. your favorite article of clothing is? Oh, that's a good one. My favorite article of clothing. Oh, that's a little hard. It depends on the season, to be honest. I can see that. Let's, it, let's, it, let's do winter. Mm-hmm. Win- it's a scarf. It's a scarf, right? I love a good yeah. scarf. I love a good, mm-hmm. warm scarf. You know, I have no hair. And so sometimes <laughs> I don't want to wear hats. And so I like big scarves that I can wrap everything in and feel nice and toasty. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I wish we all had scarves right now. I do too. <laughs> and I do want to say that um, Lamar has an impeccable sense of fashion it's true listeners and thank you i see a future of lamar being able to dress a teacher on a teacher's (sighs) budget Mm -hmm. Uh, ladies this would be a service that he would be everyone they are absolutely correct looking from the shoes Mm -hmm. to the glasses that if Lamar, you could help me get dressed. Today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love I, to. I it would a, help us a lot. I, I would a, love to. I see a reality TV show in our future. <laughs> oh. Okay, your first concert that you remember going to. Oh, my first concert that I remember going to. Jill Scott, Radio City Music Hall. Oh, my goodness. It was no. New Year's Eve. <gasps> and she did a show at Radio City. And I had never seen her live. Mm-mm. And I was, I mean, I was a fan, but I became a fan after that show. Uh, She gave a show, a vocal show. Mm -hmm. Right. Not dancing. It was a vocal show. I was like, you're really a singer. Like, you you really, (laughs) this is your craft. Okay. Yeah. Just, yeah, Jill Scott. That's a good one. May we all be as good at Mm -hmm. something someday as Jill Scott is at singing. At singing, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, your first queer icon? Oh man, they there's two. Okay. Um Grace Jones. Yes. Um uh, I you know, back then growing up, we didn't have a language. In my mind I said label, but no, it's more of a language. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a language of how to really discuss identity. And so I would look at Grace Jones and be like, they are really beautiful. Mm-hmm. But uh, what are they? Are they is this a woman? Is this a man? What's going on? But they're so gorgeous, right? And so I, at a young age, I was like, I have to operate like Grace Jones in the world, and right? And because they function in this duality that I think is just seamless. Right. And so watching them on the, the movie Boomerang, I was like, I want to <laughs> be like movie. that. I want to be like that. <laughs> yes. um, and the other one would be Emil Webinkin. I think I said that right. I hope I did. He was the editor-in-chief of Vibe magazine when I was a kid. And I remember seeing him do interviews with celebrities. And I was like, wait, there's this black guy on TV that works for this magazine. Vibe catered to black culture, right? And music and fashion. And, and I read Vibe magazine. And so seeing him on TV was like, where are the others? But that's wow. right. That's right. I found one. I found <laughs> wow. one. And you know, he has, he's on, I, we follow each other on Instagram and he's, anytime he does something great, I, I name him, I named him my godfather. That's um, because he's just, he's awesome. He's awesome. Yeah. And what about your current queer icon? Oh, that's uh, Darnell and Michael. Yeah. I, they are, I'm sure they, they may never hear this. Mm. Right. And that is okay. Mm. 
But I, there is not enough words. Thank you is not enough to discuss what they did for me in April. And so for, for me, they are it. To watch how they operate and move in the world as a black queer male. And, 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 and they move in the world that it's not the stereotypical way that a black gay man or a black queer man would, have, would move, right? And I am so thankful and grateful for those two men. And their literature, because I see myself in literature finally, mm-hmm. right? And so the the they are, and I think they will be for a very long time, because I think it's it's so personal. Yeah. I mean, I have to end with the same idea that I absolutely guarantee that you are that for your students, at least one of them every year. That is who you are. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for, for having me. This is fun. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Beyond the Letters is a production of Heinemann Publishing and the Heinemann Podcast. To learn more about our guest this week, visit blog.heinemann.com.